slippers and shoes. What's the matter, Morty? Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Fashion has changed. Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And welcome back to another episode of the Every Outfit Podcast. Chell, how the hell you doing? Okay, I have a huge problem. I may or may not be equipped to help you. Okay, so I was looking for my keys and my handbag when I was on the way to come here. The black Balenciaga handbag that I carry most days. What do I pull out of the bottom of my bag? A shrimp tail. Yeah, I can see that. What do you mean you can see that? Okay, for the record, I'm not usually this disgusting. Lauren, I don't remember the last time I have like been to a party with past hors d'oeuvres. Like I have to assume that that's where this shrimp tail came from. Maybe the last time you had sushi? I don't know. I just like, it really made me spiral. I'm like, first there were rats in my car. Now there are shrimps in my handbag. Like... I am disgusting. No, a shrimp tail. I mean, a dried out shrimp tail that's probably been there. You know what? The last time I remember having pastor d'oeuvres was like six weeks ago. It was so long ago that I don't even remember if there was shrimp. It's not the worst thing you could find in your bag. <laughs> well, yeah, it could have been a Wagyu beef skewer. Or rat in the purse. <laughs> anyway, but other than that, I'm fine. How was Taylor's concert film? Oh, it was fun. I feel like nothing like crazy happened in my theater, but the vibes were good. How was Killers of the Flower Moon? Or what did you call it? Flowers of the Killer Moon? Yes, I suppose I should issue an apology and maybe... This is a good time to explain I'm dyslexic. And all throughout the previous episode, unbeknownst to me, and truly I was reading Patreon comments that were like, Lauren, it's Killers of the Flower Moon. And I was like, yeah, that's what I said. I literally listened to the episode back and couldn't understand the mistake I made. I called it Flowers of the Killer Moon. It is Killers of the Flower Moon. How was Killers of the Flower Moon? It was long. It does feel like the three and a half hours that the film is. Although Magnolia Film We Love is three hours long. It doesn't feel three hours long to me. And I wonder if it's because when you go to theaters now, especially in AMC, you see 30 to 40 minutes of trailers before the movie ever starts. So it's like a four plus hour affair. I'm glad I saw it. Like Oppenheimer, I never need to see it again. See, I feel like that's such a weird thing to say about a movie. Like, I get it, but like, if you liked it, you wouldn't say you never need to see it again. You actively disliked watching this movie. I'm glad that I saw it, but it's not going to be a rewatchable for me. I guess I get it. Like, I'm glad I saw Citizen Kane, but... I would watch Citizen Kane again. The problem I had with it is the same problem that I had with Oppenheimer, which is it is so narrowly focused. Like, Oppenheimer, you're just following John J. Oppenheimer. That's not his name, but <laughs> you're just following... <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. You don't get the sense, unless you've watched a History Channel documentary, that there were multiple campuses all working to make the bomb together in concert. And the same thing with the Flowers of the Killer Moon. You're like, wow, this Molly, what a tragedy has befallen her family. But like this was happening to dozens of people, potentially hundreds of people. So I think I'm going to skip that one. Look, we don't all have to see every movie. No. But I'm so excited that we have so many good movies coming out soon. That's true. The The Egyptian theater is opening up again. Netflix bought it and restored it. And I missed out on the presale for the screening of The Killer, the new David Fincher film, which would have had a Q&A, which 
You know, if I was at that Q&A, I would ask him one question, which is, what was it like making the bad girl music video with Madonna? (laughs) It's the only question to ask. I know. I can't wait to see that, too. I can't wait to see, obviously, Priscilla, May, December, but also Nyad. We got to talk about that on the pod. Have you not seen the trailer? No. What is this? Annette Benning plays Diana Nyad, the woman that swam the English Channel. But she's a lesbian, so Annette Benning is gay again, and Jodie Foster plays her girlfriend. So Jodie Foster is playing gay for the first time ever, and it looks very inspirational. It's going to be a toss-up between this and May December as to what your favorite film is going to be. I know, but I just had a thought, like, because this should be the movie where Annette Benning wins the Oscar, but what if Natalie Portman <laughs> slays so hard in May December that she beats her for Best Actress again? Ooh, We'll see. Now, you would think that this episode is perhaps our fall-winter movie guide episode, but it is not. Some weeks, there's just not enough pop culture to talk about, so we will be doing a hotline episode. Yes, shall we play the first call? Hi, Lauren. Hi, Chelsea. Long-time listener, few-time caller, and I'm calling with a question about just my dating life, because right now I'm seeing an ex-boyfriend who is very Mr. Big S very rich, very good job, older than me. I'm 20 and he's 23. I know that's not a super big age gap, but has a really good job in the field he's going to school for, makes a lot of money. He's Republican. So that's my dilemma. So I don't know if I'm supposed to have fun and enjoy my Mr. Big era or if I should be setting my sights on like a kind of a femme, liberal, little femboy who's more my speed. Or if I, again, just have fun with this Mr. Big Guy. I'm conflicted. My friends are conflicted. He's pretty cute. It's good sex. So I don't know. I don't know. I think having a Republican friend or two is fine and perhaps even healthy. But I don't know if you should be letting Republicans ejaculate inside you because depending on what state you live in, you may have to carry a child to term. So if he was ejaculating on her, say her breasts, you'd be fine with this dynamic. I think it's too risky. And God forbid she's 20 years old. She has her whole life ahead of her. She doesn't need to have a child right now. Well, you went in a completely different direction than I was expecting because I was going to say the short answer is yes. Because this <laughs> caller mentioned several times how good of a job he has and how she's having fun, which leads me to believe he is wealthy, he takes you to fun places and pays and the sex is good. And given your respective ages, which by the way, when you were like, he's older than me, I'm 20. I was like, and he's 38. <laughs> no, he's just 23. I'm not getting endgame from this, so go ahead and have fun, but I guess have him come on your tits so that Chelsea doesn't fear that you're going to be stuck with a child? No, I I see. I totally disagree with you. I think that a 23-year-old Republican is a huge red flag. Like, if you're over 50, that's one thing, but if you're 23, that means you either come from a really conservative religious background or you're on the wrong side of TikTok. And neither of those things are good. I like how in this fuckets mind there are only two options, which is femme liberal who is presumably penniless or rich Republican, to which I say, think of all the politically agnostic men out there with decent incomes. <laughs> okay, also, you keep mentioning that this guy is rich, but what is his job? Is he like head of product at Philip Morris or something? Like, what kind of evil job does this man have? Yeah, because I would say hedge fund bro or a consulting bro, but those guys are working 20 hours a day and it seems like he has available time 
to have fun with you. Perhaps he's like that Koch brother's son that makes the fun Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> yeah, I think it's hard when you say Republican because we really don't know what that means in this day and age. Like, is he MAGA? Does he dress like Tucker Carlson unironically? Like, is he a Republican because he doesn't want to pay taxes or because he doesn't want trans people to use bathrooms? Like, what's what's the sitch? Or does he think that Andrew Tate is a brilliant guy? Like, we need some more details. If you're listening to this podcast and you're able to stand him, I'm getting the sense that he's just a Republican in, I don't know, economics only? You can have sex with him if you don't let him come inside you and if whatever his job is isn't evil. Like if he's doing PR for Lockheed Martin, it's like a wrap. I mean, you've really changed my mind because I was like, you know, they're just having fun. It's okay. And I also want to say that like, of course, there are many liberals that have terrible politics and are unfuckable. This is not solely a Republican thing. I just think there's a higher incidence of unfuckability. Or is he like a Joe Rogan libertarian, but that's really code for like, I'm a 1980s old school Republican. Also, also, because you've called him Mr. Big, I feel like we do need to know. Mr. Big, definitely a Republican, right? I'll ask Candace if the real Mr. Big was actually a Republican, and then we'll know. All right. But good luck. I guess that didn't help at all. Next call. Hi. Okay. So I had the pleasure of seeing Iggy Pop this week. And the whole time, I was training my friend Brianna, and I was like, Iggy can fuck. Like, Iggy can fuck. She's like, no, he's way too old. But, like, he's thrusting and dancing and, you know, like, he really took command of the stage as I think he could a woman, you know? Anyways, but Brianna was not convinced. And it got me thinking, A, like, do you guys think Iggy Pop can fuck? And B, do you think Samantha in the episode where she sees the old man's ass, would that really have been that much of a no-no for you ladies? I just have to say to anyone who is perhaps hotline curious and is like, hey, I want to call into the Every Outfit hotline, but I don't know what to ask. The answer is questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course he can fuck. It's Iggy Pop. Like, he may be in his 70s, but he's still ripped. He's still tan. You're telling me that the man who wrote I want to be your dog doesn't know how to fuck? Come on. Yeah, I was going to say that he has eternal fucking privileges. Would I fuck Iggy Pop? The answer is yes, but I will say in recent photos, it kind of depends on the angle. Like he's ripped, but that skin, you know, gravity's going to get to us all. Who cares? I think he's still fuckable. I think he can get it. We have to respect daddy. We do have to respect we have to respect our elders by fucking them. And that's what Samantha was trying to do and failed in that episode. Here's why this is the best question we've ever been asked. Because it's a random kind of would you rather that she then, <laughs> for no reason, but I do appreciate it, connects it back to the Sex and the City episode from season two, which is the one that features Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the guy that the old guy that Samantha almost fucks is having lunch with. Would we have walked away from that guy's saggy ass? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't speak for all women, but it wasn't exactly a turn on to me. Although what I've learned from watching Naked Attraction is when you take any individual body part out of context, it's usually disgusting. I think I have to go with what Carrie said in that episode when Samantha's like, what's the oldest guy you would have sex with? And Carrie's like, 50? 
And she goes, what if he's really rich? And she goes, 50? It's just hard for me to get my head around having any relations with a man who's older than my father's age. So that's my limit. So how old's your dad? Yeah, I know. Um, so 68 and lower, we're good to go. <laughs> so Richard Gere, I'm out. Stanley Tucci, 62, I'm in. <laughs> Next call. Hi, Lauren and Chelsea. I am calling because I am getting married next year and I am struggling to find a wedding dress. I feel like I hate everything in all of the bridal stores. It all is sort of starting to look the same to me. And I would love to wear vintage, but I just don't even know where to look for that. I live in Kansas City, so we don't have a whole lot of options here. Um, and I would just love to know if you were getting married next year, where would you shop? What would you wear? That's so interesting. I too have wondered what I would wear if I got married next year. No reason why. <laughs> no pressure, Paul. Well, yeah, first of all, don't go to bridal stores unless you want to look like a bride's stock image. From what I understand from friends who've recently gotten married, there are cooler options, right? There's Danielle Frankel, but just the whole wedding dress industrial complex, the older I get, I just can't justify the price of a wedding dress. And then it takes like six months to get tailored. Yeah, it's like buying a couch or something. It's like delivery in like eight to 10 months. Yeah, it's one of those things that you're like, well, it, there it is in the store. I'll just take it. And they're like, oh, no, no, that'll be 14 to 18 weeks. It's like, what? Look, I wouldn't rule out vintage. I think... Etsy is great because the search interface is really good. The real real also good. You can return things. The best vintage is going to be on first dibs, but sometimes those sellers charge like a restock fee or whatever. But I would peruse that. But I think that if I was getting married, I would probably just go to matches or essence and type in white dress and see what happens. Like I'm not looking for a gown. I mean, one, there are kind of alt bridal lines that fashion labels like 16 Arlington does, Mira Palais also does. But yeah, I was going to say, go to Moda, go to Netta Porter. They do have bridal sections, but also just searching like ivory white dresses. And how about maybe a skirt and corset combo? That would be my pitch. I don't know if I'd pitch that to a random person, but I love that idea. Okay, she also asked what we would get married in. I think I would wear something simple and Halston-esque from the row, or I would go full Simone Rocha and like look insane. I would love to see that. I was with you when you bought your wedding dress. I got married in vintage, yeah. But that was kind of the perfect situation because I had to find the dress. Like I had one week to find the dress. So there wasn't this hemming and hawing about what to wear. I remember we went to A Current Affair. A Current Affair is a vintage show that they do in Los Angeles and New York. We're like, surely we'll find something here. We've always been able to find things we like here and then we couldn't find anything. Well, you can't find anything when you're looking for it, especially if it's vintage. And then there are the two vintage stores on La Brea that we always get confused for each other, which is the way we wore in Gallyester. I still don't know which one is which and I never will. So I don't know where I actually got my wedding dress from. I believe it was Gallyester. Buying vintage online, especially for something as high stakes as a wedding dress is something I wouldn't advise. But when can you find anything like like in person. That's true. I mean, I was going to say if you could swing it, it might be worth going to LA or Chicago or New York to vintage shop in 
LA, there's a place called Happy Isles, which is an exclusively vintage wedding dress store. Although it's like alternative wedding dresses. I feel like they also have some non-wedding shit there. If I got married next year, I mean, I referenced an Aliyah dress that I had to buy and return because it was see-through. And that was an idea of maybe something that could be worn to a wedding. But it was completely thoughty and not appropriate, even for a cool wedding idea. I don't know what I would wear unfortunately. <laughs> Moving on. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Chelsea. It's Sonia from Kansas City. I was really curious if you think that Linda and Naomi are feuding because I heard that and then I watched the series kind of with that in like my radar and noticed that like in certain segments, like towards the end on the very last episode, there's, it's just like really awkward. You like kind of have to catch it. I don't know if you would notice if like you weren't like hyper vigilant about it like I am, but it seems like something's happening and Naomi untagged Linda on something and they don't follow each other on Instagram anymore. It's really devastating, but I am just curious if you two think there is a feud happening. It's sad when we have to watch our Gen X moms fight like they're Zoomers. <laughs> Unfollowing each other off of Instagram? I know, it's really sad. Um, to answer your question, yes, I did notice the very tense moment between Linda and Naomi when they were reunited at the photo shoot for the key art for the Supermodels docuseries. We just forgot to talk about it because we had a lot of ground to cover. But yeah, that was that was weird. And I did confirm that they do not follow each other. Although uh, Linda Evangelista does follow Naomi Watts. So she has one Naomi, but it ain't Naomi Campbell. God, yeah. What do we think the origin of that was? It has to be semi-recently. Well, I'm kind of surprised that they were ever friends to begin with just because they both are such notorious divas. Who knows why they fell out? It seems like Christy and Linda are the closest just because people forget that when Linda Evangelista said the infamous... I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000. The actual quote is, Christy and I have this saying, we don't get out of bed for less than $10,000. But somehow, all of that shit escaped Christy Turlington. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't know. I think that Christy is probably closer with Cindy just because they referenced like getting dinner together, which I don't really get the sense that these girls are voluntarily hanging out outside of something Vogue related. Yeah, things that they're contractually obligated to see each other at. I think that what we need is a... Supermodels reunion special hosted by Andy Cohen. A thousand and ten percent. See, this is the problem with Ron Howard and Brian Grazer being the producers of this Supermodels Apple TV doc because they would never think to do something like that. But if anyone has tea, please call into the hotline. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Lauren. Um, I'm looking for some advice. As a boy, I'm looking to buy a crossbody bag. I'm torn between Balenciaga, Goyard, kind of like a camera bag sort of situation. So budget is 3K to 5K. What would you two ladies recommend for a crossbody little boy bag? Thank you so much and love you both. I love this budget that you have for a purse. However, I cannot in good conscience let you get a Goyard bag. I think they are hideous. Okay, I don't think they're hideous, but I just think if this is your everyday bag, I think 
a print is very specific. Whereas like a simple black Balenciaga bag you could wear with anything. That's true. And I did look at the Goyard camera-ish style bag and it looks just particularly Canal Street. Like if you are going to get a Goyard bag. (laughs) Okay, I do not think Goyard is that bad. Like it's not me. I don't think it's bad. But if you're going to get a Goyard bag, get the tote. The other thing is we don't know what kind of Balenciaga bag he wants because there's a lot of range there. Get something classic. Don't get something with graffiti on it or whatever. But I also want to say that you have an incredible budget for a men's crossbody bag. So you can literally buy a bag from any designer. Like women's bags are more expensive than this. But for men's, you're good. I personally love a Prada crossbody bag on a man. They make really beautiful ones in an array of of shapes and sizes. And I think that could be a good option for you as well. Hi, Tell and Lauren. I am seeking some relationship advice from you, not for my own romantic relationships, but the romantic relationship of one of my best friends. She tends to get really sucked into relationships and kind of does everything for the other person for the time that she's in them. And right now... She's sucked into dating this extremely crunchy, newly ethically non-monogamous guy. And I truly hate him. Like, I hate him. And I don't know what to do anymore. He's not very nice to her. I could go on and on. What do I do? I would love any and all rational and unhinged advice. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Okay, you're not giving us a ton of specific reasons as to why this guy sucks so much, but I guess we'll have to take her word for it, right? Although the combination of crunchy and newly ethically non-monogamous does sound a bit frightening. Like that's a little bit of a red flag. This is a two-part question because what you're asking is about this boyfriend and how you get your best friend to extricate herself from this person. But also I think you don't realize what you're asking is also, how do I get my friend to stop dating terrible people I dislike? And the answer is you can't. Yeah, I was going to say there's the real world answer and then there's the rom-com answer. Do you want to give the real world answer, Joe? The real world answer is that people who get into new relationships and completely change their identity are typically not receptive to criticism. And when they are criticized, they have this us against the world mentality about the relationship. So you're just fucked, especially if she's dating a condescending asshole. Which is why I've come up with the rom-com answer. The rom-com answer is you use this ethically non-monogamous status to your advantage. You encourage her to create a dating profile. It sure seems like her boyfriend is. That's the vibe I'm getting from this call. Or perhaps you create a dating profile for your friend. Better yet, you be your friend and find the perfect guy for her to get her out of this awful situation. Is what I'm saying kind of the plot of my favorite bad rom-com because I said so? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) That is the (laughs) film where Diane Keaton makes a dating profile on behalf of her daughter, Mandy Moore. I think that's good advice because that's something (laughs) actionable that you can do for your friend. By the way, I have nothing against people who are non-monogamous. I get it. Monogamy is not without its flaws, but... When someone is non-monogamous and also an asshole, that's the bad combination. That's when there's a really high incidence of drama. And then I I get your frustration as her friend because then she's going to come to you and vent whenever he fucks your other friend or like her bodega guy. I'm sorry that your friend is in a bad relationship, but I know that it's even worse for you because you not only have to hang out with this clown, you have to hear her complain about that clown it's emotional labor you're not gonna stop seeing your friend you can't withhold your friendship 
until she gets out of this relationship. I would just try and set healthy boundaries for yourself. I know you asked for unhinged advice and I tried to with my rom-com plot idea, but actually the more I think about it might not be the worst idea. Hi, Lauren and Chelsea. Um, long time fuck at here, big fan. I just had a question for you guys and apologies if you've already answered this one in the past, but I'm curious for yourselves and then for the rest of us buckets out there, what is everybody's Sex in the City rewatch habits? Like I start from season one and go all the way to six and then I'll like rewatch both movies and then I'll start all over again. And if it's, like this like comforting pattern but I feel like there's probably people out there who like jump around maybe don't include the movies which is totally fine I don't include them just like that at least not yet let me know all right bye I just got the most intense deja vu because I think we've answered this question before Lauren like I think that someone already called in with this question but I have the memory of a goldfish so here we go I either do all the way through season one to season six or I start right in at season three I'm not fucking around I'm getting to the best part of Sex in the City that's what I was gonna say because I haven't done an honest to god rewatch of Sex in the City and I don't know how long but this caller is quite the completest after she she's done with season six she's like and we're going right into the first film and then after that the second film yeah I would never do that I only watch the first film when it's already playing on television like at whatever point that I come into it in yeah and then I only watch the second film if we have a reason to watch it like we're screening it somewhere yeah I kind of watch season three and four on a loop like if I need that that Sex and the City dopamine hit, I'm going to season three, I'm going to season four. I will say that Paul and I recently just went back and watched both Aiden arcs back to back. We watched from when Carrie and Aiden meet in season three to when she breaks up, and then we went back to when they started dating until they broke up again. Or just watching the big affair arc, like just four episodes back to back is very satisfying. I'm inspired. I'm gonna go back and watch every Bitsy Von Muffling episode back to back. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Lauren. Uh, longtime listener, big fan. What is the number one article of clothing, accessory, etc. cetera, um, that you would love to own? And this could be in real life or from movies or TV. Uh, I'll go first. Mine is probably Princess Diana's Eagles uh, varsity bomber jacket. Secondary would be Carrie Bradshaw's ratty fur coat. Love you guys. Thanks. What are you buying, Lauren? What are you buying at Julian's auctions? <laughs> this is a great question because I'm so excited to hear your answer as well. Um, I mean, look, there are always clothes that I see that if money was unlimited, I would want. Like I was looking at the Kylie Jenner Wall Street Journal editorial the other day. She was wearing a $20,000 Bottega coat that I love, but it's also like, where would I wear that? Oh, like the ostrich one? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I've talked about my love of Stella McCartney era Chloe, specifically the spring-summer 2001 collection that Carrie wears a few pieces of in season four. I was lucky enough to purchase the dress that she wears when she goes to the restaurant opening with the jazz guy. So now I have my eyes on the equestrian pants she wears in shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right, the ones that Olivia Rodrigo wore. Sorry, just the resident Olivia Rodrigo stan jumping in here. And I've seen them available for sale and I've never pulled the trigger because from what I know about Stella McCartney and her pants- Your ass is too big for them? My thigh. It won't even get <laughs> to my ass, Chelsea, because I've tried on Stella McCartney pants and they like stop right above the knee so I don't know what kind of like 
arm-like thighs she's working with, <laughs> but they don't work for my body type. If it's any item of clothing, I would want one of Elizabeth Taylor's Tia Porter caftans. She had many of them. They were all auctioned off maybe like a decade ago at Christie's or something. And at the time, I remember thinking, it sucks that I don't have $20,000 to buy one of these. But that's what I would want because I've always felt a strong personal connection with Elizabeth Taylor. And I would love to actually wear one of her items of clothing. This question did stun me momentarily and my mind was blank. And then I realized like, oh yeah, there is a... (laughs) pretty obscure dress that Stephanie Seymour wore in the 2007 Met that was an Aliyah dress that he clearly designed for her. I've never seen it on the runway before. And actually, this is the answer to what I would want to wear when I get married. Oh, that's gorge. He clearly made it custom for her. Never went down the runway. Well, it's kind of poofy. It's like a different silhouette for Aliyah. For the Patreon fuckettes, we'll put an image in the show notes. But the only other time he's done a dress in this silhouette was Sofia Coppola's wedding dress. Oh, yes. Very cute. Do you have anything from movies or TV that you would want to buy? Well, if it's from Sex in the City, it's the newsprint dress. Oh, but of I get the sense that like no one even knows where that dress is. Like it was probably a sample that went somewhere. You don't think it's in Sarah Jessica Parker's archive? No, because she said they had to find another one for the second film. It makes me think that whoever does have it doesn't even necessarily know that it's the dress. And from movies and TV, I'm really showing my middle-aged millennial status, but I would want Brittany Murphy's blue marine dress from Uptown Girls. (laughs) But of course, Ivy Getty bought that dress. She would. Hi, Chelsea and Lauren. This is not my first time calling, but it is the first time I'm calling with something that's not a horrible stream of thought. With Carrie now being wealthy as a result of mostly Big's wealth, I would like to bring in a more practical question. When do you think Carrie paid Charlotte back the loan for her apartment? Did Big end up paying for it after all? In that case, she did take his money. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Okay, I think she had to pay Charlotte back by season five because during season five, she suddenly had a Birkin and she got the book advance money. This is my Roman Empire because this was such a weird episode and such a bizarre resolution that instead of taking Big's money, she bullies Charlotte into selling her ring that Trey gave her so that Charlotte can give her a loan for the down payment on her apartment. I agree with you. The boring answer is yes, it's probably an unseen moment in season five. Alternatively, I do love the idea that Carrie kind of figured that maybe when Charlotte married Harry that she was financially taken care of so she didn't need to pay it back. But I do also love the idea that once Big moved back to New York in 2004, Charlotte went to him and was like, give me (laughs) $40,000. Or like Miranda walked into Big's office representing Charlotte and was like, look, we won't say anything to Carrie. Just give us the 40 grand. (laughs) Or maybe this will be addressed in just like that season three. One can only hope. Hi, you two. Uh, I just got a targeted ad for coach trick-or-treating buckets, like a pumpkin and a cat. And I know Coach is not high fashion, but it's certainly, like, fancier than Target. So I was wondering, like, who are these targeted toward? Are are these supposed to be handbags? Are, like, rich people who aren't really rich, like, going to put their candy in them to hand out or have their children carry around these? They are made of leather. 
obviously. Anyways, you always have such great opinions. Would love to hear yours. Bye. This is a lot of pressure to give a very good opinion. <laughs> okay, first of all, fancier than Target is so savage. That should be like Coach's tagline. Well, also, she has many savage lines in this call because she's like, people who are rich but not really rich gonna put their candy in this. <laughs> okay, I wanted to play this call because I also got a targeted ad for these Coach Halloween buckets, whatever, which is weird because it's like they're not current season they're in the coach outlet already but I looked at the coach website and they have like current season Halloween stuff too like pumpkin shaped handbags and shit so they've been like making Halloween themed novelty products for a while now yeah this is puzzling because those bucket bags are quite cute but it's not like I would wear the pumpkin or cat bag out in the month of October just to get into the spirit or anything and it does seem too nice for a kid but I don't know maybe if I was a rich mom because I don't have a sense of how much these bags cost because they sold out online although you can get one on Poshmark for $175. Okay I know exactly who this is for and it's for People who spend hundreds of dollars on an outfit that they will never wear again just so they can post a single Instagram photo. Like, that's who this is for. Our minds are so warped now because of Instagram. Every single year, we see celebrities spend hundreds, thousands of dollars on costume and glam for, like, multiple Halloween costumes. Aside from Coach, I've seen a lot of, like, even, like, cooler brands do Halloween drops this year. Like... Heaven did that Donnie Darko collab. Mimi Wade is making like jack-o'-lantern dresses. I saw that Online Ceramics did a whole drop. And that's for people to have clothes to wear on Halloween. Halloween truly has become a season. With the popularity of Halloween Horror Nights, perhaps also brands have been like, oh, People need outfits to wear to haunted houses that they go to in September because that's how fucking popular Halloween is that Horror Night starts like mid-September. I'm like not really tapped into that stuff, you know? I avoid a haunted house. Well, yeah, we don't like to be scared. Your wife has tried to get us to go many times and we're like, nope, don't want to be scared. Don't want to pay an exorbitant amount of money yeah, it's more about being cheap than being scared because you need those VIP passes and those are like $400. But my friend went and had those passes and it still was a shit show. It's too popular. Too popular. Hey, Lauren and Chelsea. Love listening to you guys. Long time listener and fuck it. Um, I think you guys are so funny and so smart. Um, calling because I've just always been curious as people who are highly educated when it comes to fashion, both formally and just as people who love it and follow it and, and podcast about it. I'm curious, like, what your wardrobes consist of. Um, and, and more and more, I'm sure, I, I assume you guys have, like, maybe more designer pieces and stuff as the years go on. But I'm curious, like, do you have, like, do you have, like, a, like, like a shitty pair of jeans from Target somewhere in there? Do you have, like, I'm not asking you guys to do, like, free spawn, but, like, what what does your day-to-day -day consist of? If you're running to the grocery store, like, is it all, do you have, like, mostly vintage? Is it, like, more and more designer stuff? Is it a lot of local stuff? Um, or do you buy shitty stuff on Amazon once in a while, um, like most of us? <laughs> so 
Okay, well, everyone buys shitty stuff on Amazon. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have Target jeans, but I do have my Target bathrobe that I refuse to get rid of. And because my house is so cold 10 months out of the year, I wear it all the time in my house over normal human being clothing, which is very depressing because I'll open the door, sometimes for you, in a ratty bathrobe. I can't get rid of it. There's nothing better than it. I'm a big proponent in getting the nicest bathrobe that you can afford if you're someone that works from home for the most part because that's what you wear half the time. I'm so curious what your answer is going to be. Well, you know how I dress. Most of my wardrobe isn't fancy. Like most of my clothes that I wear on a daily basis are from Costs or Uniqlo or Skims or something to that effect. Like right now I am wearing a black Skims hoodie a pair of black Levi's and white tabby boots. I do have designer accessories though, bags, sunglasses, shoes, that sort of stuff. But I feel like designer clothes, it's like few and far between and it's like random shit. It's like some random like vintage Leonard caftan or something that I'm not like getting a ton of wear out of. Yeah, I feel like it's almost better if the opposite person answers this question because I feel like I have a better sense of your wardrobe. Like a few years ago, you changed your style and it's a lot of like we were out the other night like you wore your dyke shirt with a <laughs> with a long satin skirt no i think it's the coolest outfit combo that you do the like long skirt with the oversized tee i think it looks so fucking chic thank you honey i do that i also do that with a sweater or like a button down shirt i mostly wear button down shirts honestly on a daily basis with jeans or a midi skirt or like simple maxi dress like from cause with a pair of flats or something yeah our answers are gonna be incredibly boring what do i wear to go to the grocery store it's usually workout leggings because i've been working out and because uh, we both live a work from home lifestyle it's like i get up i put on workout stuff do errands, do work, and then it's like six o'clock and I'm still in the same workout gear. Yeah, I rarely, rarely dress up during the day. So what I invested in post-pandemic was, because I became immune to jeans. I just got really nice black pants alternatives. Like right now I'm wearing a pair of Ghani kind of parachute pants. Yeah, those are cute. Thank you. But I do have a workout sports bra underneath because I was working out this morning. (laughs) Maybe this is an aging thing, but like I honestly am at a place in my life right now where all I want is like the perfect black sweater, the perfect trench coat. I can't be bothered to like do a full ass look. I just want to be able to get dressed in like three minutes is my goal. I'm having a bit of a wardrobe crisis because I look at my wardrobe and I like a lot of individual pieces, but I'm like, I don't know how to put any of this together really. But this is what happens when you grow up idolizing Carrie Bradshaw. Literally, it's like a sickness. It's the Patricia Field virus that we all have where it's like, oh, I'll just get this like ratty fur coat and mix it with this like random vintage nightgown that I found, like some Manolos and I'll look really cute. It's like, No, at a certain age, you start looking like Miss Havisham. I agree with you. I find myself looking for the perfect, like recently I was on the hunt for a perfect long black skirt. I bought a long black skirt with like a slit up to to my you know what. And I was like, this is perfect. It's conservative, but sexy. Tat once called my style, what was it? Romantic business thought. Like that's, (laughs) that's the type of stuff I'm looking for. Also, just finding the brand that actually works for my body. Like I recently discovered that 
Reformation jeans work great on my body. Also, Banana Republic jeans. Have you been to a Banana Republic recently? Why would I have been to a Banana Republic? No shade, but like I haven't thought about a Banana Republic. Sorry, that sounded so bitchy. I'm not above shopping at Banana Republic. Like I will shop at Zara or wherever. It's like that moment in my 20s where I was like, wow, I haven't been in Urban Outfitters in like six months. I found that with Zara where I'm like, I just, I think I'm done. I'm, I'm done because it's too trendy. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's some things like I have a skirt from Zara that I've worn for years, but you, it's really hard to know what pieces actually endure and what ones you just end up getting rid of in, you know, a year or two or whatever. I've also, in the last year or two, rebought vintage sweaters, which was a style that I loved as a high schooler. I would just buy vintage, like, 1950s or 1940s sweaters. What, like cardigans? Yeah. The little button up. Yeah, yeah that's cute. And I got rid of a bunch of them because I was like, well, that's what I that's what I liked it when I was a teenager. I'm an adult now. And now in my 30s, I'm like, that was a fucking good look. Like, I love a 1940s cardigan with some jeans. Yeah, it's very cute. You do have a lot of designer shoes, though. Like, I feel like you have a disproportionate amount of shoes to like bags, per se. Not that you don't have bags also. Whenever I go into your closet, I'm like, I've literally never seen any of this shit. I know. I Yeah, I have a lot of shoes that I don't exactly wear. Well, we both have the same problem of like buying clothes that are too formal to wear in one's everyday life. Like I have a lot of shit that's like only appropriate at like a wedding or something black tie. So obviously I never wear that shit. That's what is actually fun to buy like at a vintage fair or something. But you have some really good shoes. You should wear them more. I feel like we need to style each other. I'd love to. Yeah. You know what? Also, I should add that I actually do have some designer clothes that I wear, but they're not mine. They're my wife's. Because there can only be one shopping addict in the household and it's not me, it's her. So I get good things from her in the sense that like she has fancy like blazers and button down shirts and stuff like that, which I really appreciate. I should just like never go shopping again and just like poke around in her closet. This sounds like a fun experiment we could try. I actually did that the other night and I found like the best like blue and white striped diesel button down that I've literally never seen her wear. Took it. She doesn't know it's gone. None the wiser. She doesn't listen to this podcast. She'll never find out. Hi, Chelsea and Lauren. Uh, I am calling from the depths of a shame over. Um, I just went out the other night to see a live taping of the Celebrity Book Club podcast, and I was high on sort of hormones, anxiety, and anticipation. Got accidentally wasted and then, like, approached both hosts and their parents to just drunkenly tell them how they've changed my life and how much I love them and how it must be so incredible to see, like, a baby that you birth grow up and be like a fabulous podcast host. So I woke up the next day, like remembering pieces of the conversation and just feeling like super, super cringy. And I was wondering if you have any advice for nursing a hangover slash shame over and also how you feel about parasocial relationships. And if you would feel disgusted, repulsed or charmed by a drunk mom telling you that she loves you from the depths of her heart. I love you guys. Thanks so much for your podcast. Uh, Bye.
you don't really know us, so I'm not sure why you're saying you love us. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course, we love you. It's lovely that you love us. And yeah, in my opinion, you have nothing to shame Spiral over. Yeah, I support parasocial relationships because I have them too. And it's especially easy to have them with podcasters because you listen to them talk for like, you know, four hours a month typically. I loved that you called in with a question relating to another podcast. I think that's hilarious, but I actually do know Lily from Celebrity Book Club. So I texted them to ask like, is this bitch crazy? (laughs) And they were like, no, everyone at the Boston show was completely lovely. You apparently weren't the only new mom that was like turning the fuck up that night. So I think that sometimes with a shame over, you have to accept that your personal version of the events that transpired might not be fully accurate. I do love that this caller was like, you know, who would understand humiliating yourself better than Lauren and Chelsea? And like, guess what, caller? You'd be right. Do you know how embarrassing, like how embarrassed we are that podcasting is our career? Like it's a career path that was created during the millennial age, which is completely unexplainable to our boomer parents. I mean, not mine because my father is obsessed with podcasts, but parents only currency of how successful their children are is like what their accomplishments are. And that like you, you physicalize it as like your kid's amazing. They've made my life better. Like you've given Steven and Lily's parents, like they're going to dine out on that for the rest of the year. Yeah. I can totally see that. It's like a huge ego boost for them. So I think you have nothing to be embarrassed over. Also in my experience in moments where it's like, what the fuck did I do last night? If you're asking that question, you actually didn't do the most embarrassing thing. The most embarrassing people don't know they're embarrassing. But as for how to nurse a hangover, Advil, seltzer, some people like Gatorade, but I prefer watermelon juice and something from Postmates that you would never normally order at that hour. And then what was the last thing? How do we feel about parasocial relationships? I mean, certainly in this age, there's not one person who doesn't have some kind of parasocial relationship with someone. Our most meaningful relationships are parasocial relationships. What are you talking about? Well, do you have any in particular? Because I can name a few that I have. I'm not going to name them because I feel like (laughs) I'm not. It's like they're too close. Like they're no more than one degree away. Oh, okay. I was going to talk about celebrities. Like, it's not like I'm a big fan of Paul Bettany or Jennifer Connelly's movies. Like, I'm not a stan, but I like the idea that they've been married for 20 years. And like, that's just comforting to me. They have a podcast? No, they don't have a podcast. I'm just talking <laughs> about like parasocial okay, relationships okay. in oh, general. Right, okay, not with podcasters. Okay. Um, oh, that's why you didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not I'm not talking about my intimate personal relationships with acquaintances and strangers. No, I mean, we all do. It's like, did I definitely get a sense that John Lovett and Ronan Farrow had broken up? Are either of them dating someone else? I don't have that intel. Does anyone have tea? Call into the hotline. See? Parasocial relationship. Boom. <laughs> Hi, I'm calling with a question. Um that does not really pertain to anything you all talk about on the show, but I just feel like, I feel like you two have become spiritually like my cool, not that much older than me aunts. So basically my question is, I am 28. I recently ended a job and at that job was this person who's become one of my really close friends who is 38 and I think we are falling in love with each other. For context, I 
am like a mass non-binary person and they are a footy lesbian. Is 28 and 38 too big of an age gap? Slash, is there a way of just seamlessly and without conversation transitioning a relationship from a friendship to a dating relationship without having to ever address the feelings with the other person head on. Yeah, I just wanted to know if either of you have some advice about that. Is there a way to seamlessly transition from a friendship to a relationship without addressing the feelings head on? No, one of you has to make a fucking move. Actually, that's the only way you can do it without talking. One of you just needs to kiss the other one. The next time you have a couple cocktails, a little bit tipsy, just lean in and say, can I kiss you? Yes, I realize that this is why Andrew Cuomo got accused of sexual harassment, but sometimes you have to be direct. Yeah, because the way that it sounds to us is that you kind of want to trick this person into being in a relationship with you, which, you know, while fun, doesn't actually work. Well, I wouldn't say trick because they're saying that... They're currently in a romantic friendship. Why don't we start with, hey, let's go out for drinks? That was the vibe I was getting. I was getting the vibe that like they met at work, they're friends, they no longer work together, but the friendship is getting increasingly like gray area vibes, but no one's pulling the trigger. You don't want to do the like, hey, I have feelings for you. It's, no, that's bad. That's not hot. As someone who's done that in the past, who now looks back at that, I'm like, that was the wrong move. No, it's better to just like really hit on someone than to do that. If you are out with this person, you can later play it off like you were drunk and just go back to being friends. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Chelsea. Um, probably your biggest fan, Victoria from New York City, calling once again because I had to be the first, if not one of the first, to call you about Kim Kardashian's new Skims line for men. I want opinions. Will we be getting it for Paul and getting like a true try-on test? Like, what are our thoughts there? And then also, how do we feel about Nick Kosa, I think his name is, the football player that is like the, I guess, like model in the campaign. Um, everyone was like thirsting over him for 0.5 seconds before realizing that he's like, a conservative and like a homophobe and like all of that so like i'm already like ew but like i can't help but still want to get these like underwear for my boyfriend so yeah i just would love to hear your thoughts uh and yeah love you guys bye i asked paul if he would be open to a try on and he declined <laughs> skims for men i think it's great because why should men have to live without skims I can't vouch for the quality of these specific products, but I do think that they're well-designed, and I am personally a fan of the Skims Boyfriend Collection, which I am wearing right now, so hopefully they're using similar fabrics. Although I am a little disappointed that it's not called Skims for Hims. Well, Hims is already that vitamin company, right? Like, that's what, like, J-Lo and A-Rod were doing his and hers spawn for. That's true, that's true. That's the direct-to-consumer boner pill company. As for... This football player dude whose name escapes me. I looked into him. He is definitely a Trump supporter. He called Colin Kaepernick a clown. And he apparently liked some Instagram posts with racist and homophobic slurs. Although I can't find the posts. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not out here assuming that football players have like good politics and care about social justice issues, you know? I'm also not sure that some of the Kardashians didn't vote for Trump. I don't know. I just 
just feel like the fact that this guy is a meathead who is also ripped, like that's his brand. Yeah, I saw online that people were positing maybe that Kim was trying to find a new boyfriend because she can't go on a dating app. I can see that. She's like, I'll just cast like the athletes I find to be the hottest in my ad. That's so smart, actually. Yeah, and then show up to said, see if the vibe's right. And then get them drunk and ask them if I can kiss them, (laughs) per Chelsea's advice. What I really want to talk about, though, is Kai, Kylie Jenner's new fashion brand, which was announced this week. The first drop looks to be predominantly, if not entirely, pleather. It was designed in collaboration with Namilla, which feels like a correct vibe for Kylie. Everything is apparently under $200, which is cool. So people thought when this was announced that it was going to be Kylie's attempt at like a quiet luxury brand. Instead, it's going to be basically a Revolve brand label, which no disrespect. The first campaign image was really giving like Kate, but for Kardashians. Which, by the way, is a marketplace that is underserved. Are you too old for House of CB? Try Kai. Yeah, and apparently she's going to have like guest designers and like seasonal drops and stuff, which also seems correct because that's basically what she's used to doing with her makeup line, right? Yeah, what I think is so wild is that the announcement of the collection and the first images of the products we're seeing, which is basically a pair of gloves and a trench, is in this weekend's Wall Street Journal magazine. I mean, the cover is incredible. Again, I think Kylie is the best model. But when I first saw the images, I was like, wow, this label is incredible. And then I realized the editorial is mostly other people's clothing. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of her stuff mixed in, but it is not entirely Kai. But yeah, I'm very curious to see how this collection is received and what this brand looks like moving forward. Also, Kylie's line is created with Emma and Jen's Greed, the people behind Skims and Good American. You know, I do connect Chloe with jeans, same with Kim and shapewear and bodywear, but Kylie has changed her style so much. It's not like there's a native personal style that this collection is going to reflect. So it's interesting that the brand aim is to produce investment pieces at an affordable price point yeah no it's true it's not like she's like alexa chung or something and is someone that is like constantly wearing the same types of clothes i think this might go the way of rihanna's clothing line this might be a a few seasons and done yeah but rihanna's clothing line was too expensive that was the problem well one thing we can agree on is that that editorial is incredible the styling is amazing go off kai Anyway, that's all we have today, folks. And and since we don't have the Kendall Jenner AI bot to write our sign-off, I guess I'll just ask you guys to rate and review the podcast in the Apple Store. We literally never do that. I feel like every podcast I listen to is always like telling me to rate and review constantly. Yeah, look at you being a little podcaster. We do it like every six months. So this is my <laughs> reminder, rate and review. And if you write something funny, we may read it on the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.